0: Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, some great things coming up on the show. Stay tuned. supply chains this week in a variety of ways. The energy cap in the United Kingdom has been raised to over three and a half thousand pounds and that's hit consumers badly. That will take money out of the pockets and it's likely to rise again in three months time. In January it could be double again and it's unaffordable and this is all due to Russia's war in Ukraine. Inflation 10.1% in July likely to be over 16% in January, according to forecasts. And then, of course, strikes, 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 strikes. Is it three strikes in a air? I think it might be. So, stay tuned, find out more. Well, the big news in the United Kingdom this week is the energy cap. That's been raised by 80%. And a typical household will now pay £3,549 a year in energy costs. Previously it was 1971 and just a year ago it was lower than that at around 1297 I think. So it's an incredible rise in just over a year. The uh, energy bills have risen by a factor of three, three times more. And that's all to do with Russia's war in Ukraine as well as the increase in demand as the world woke up from the pandemic putting pressure on energy and energy prices in particular. So the price of uh, electricity on average will go from 28 pence per kilowatt hour to 52 pence in October to December and then it's likely to go up again at that point and people are saying it could be as much as £6,800 next year. Now that's for consumers and businesses have no such Restraint, so they will just have to pay the bill as it is, and that's going to put an awful lot of pressure on many businesses in the coming months. When Russia cut off the gas to Europe at the start of the war in Ukraine, that pushed up energy prices on the world markets for gas in particular by a factor of about 15 times. If the world enters global recession, as it may well do, then that, of course, will push energy prices downwards. Because the demand will fall. Now some countries will be more susceptible to recession than others. And I've discussed that on the Chain Reaction podcast in recent weeks. Britain in particular has said it's likely to go into recession in the coming months. And that's mainly down to energy and inflation. Energy is the cause. It's given rise to big inflation numbers. And that's likely to continue, especially with these consumer price caps going up at such a level and of course many businesses incurring these additional costs will themselves experience cost pressures which will be inflationary and could well result in a fall in overall demand which then will cause quite big problems for the economy. Energy costs of course just add to inflation everything's going higher and higher For businesses, there's no restraint. They have to pay market rates. So no cap for them, no protection at all. And some might say we're on the road to nowhere. There's songs in this, aren't there? Higher and higher, road to nowhere. And of course this week, strikes. Strikes at Felixstowe Port in the United Kingdom. Eight days, eight days a week, another song. So not a lot of good news around when it comes to managing demand, managing supply, world trade. The Horn of Africa is facing its worst drought in more than 40 years and this is likely to impact everybody living in that region. This presents a real risk for serious famine. Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia are all expected to have much lower rainfall between October and December, which will, of course, affect crops. Ford Chief Executive Jim Farley has been saying for quite some time that he believed they were overstaffed. And this week it was announced that they're likely to reduce the workforce by 3,000 salaried and contract staff in North America and India. It's restructuring to keep up with Tesla in the race to secure electric vehicles. And it's trying to reorganise its businesses. It's separated its businesses into commercial and Retail vehicles to consumers. And effectively, what's going on here is it's reorganizing the business for a new era of electric vehicles and lowering the labor force. Share price of Ford dropped by 4.8% when the news was announced. All established automakers, of course, are facing a difficult transition to electric vehicles, but it's something they feel they've got to do. And in the new era of these electric vehicles, a lot of the work to develop the battery and battery technology will be outsourced, so it won't be in-house manufacturing, which has been the traditional model for auto manufacturers. The rising price of batteries, raw materials and shipping are all putting additional pressure on the supply chain for Ford and other car industry competitors. Despite this, Ford have stuck to the forecast of having billion in higher costs due to inflation. So, inflation biting into the cost structure of these very big businesses. It's separating its businesses, as I said, into different structures, and it's developing its electric vehicles, and its combustion, engine, and commercial vehicle operations are also separate. So, it's on a cost cutting exercise as it restructures. The United Auto Workers Union. Which represents the Detroit Automaker's US factory has expressed concern that electrical vehicles will mean fewer manufacturing jobs and, of course, more jobs dispersed to non union battery and EV hardware factories. Well, that's likely to be the case. It was reported this week that the global market for electric vehicle batteries. Is expected to reach $250 billion by 2030, with demand exceeding 3.5 terawatt hours. China's World New Energy Vehicle Congress was meeting in Beijing, and this was the president, Wang Gang, who stated this. The profits of China's industrial firms lowered in July, reversing the previous gains, and this was because of fresh Covid-19 curbs. Demand was down, factory margins were squeezed and power shortages because of heat waves threatened production. The profits were down 1.1% in January to July from a year earlier wiping out the 1% growth during the first six months according to the National Bureau of Statistics. Shenzhen, Tianzhen were hit with these fresh covid Policy lockdowns and China's industrial output slowed from 3.8% for the year from 3.9% in June. And in July, China's industrial output growth slowed to 3.8% from 3.9% in June. That's the year on year figure. Been heat waves across China, and that too has had an impact on energy. When you get heat waves, you turn on the air conditioning systems, don't you? So we can't win, really. If there's a heat wave, it's air conditioning. If it's cold, it's heat. Now, there's some news breaking in the pharma industry this week that Moderna is suing Pfizer-BioNTech for patent infringement over its COVID vaccines. Moderna is claiming that Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech, copied the technology that Moderna had developed years before the pandemic, and that seems to be the nub of the problem. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. Sakhalon Energy LLC is the operator of Russia's Sakhalon 2 liquefied natural gas plant, and thus seeking new markets and buyers, they said on Friday. They've become a new legal entity. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, signed a decree in June for Moscow to take charge of the Sakhalin II project in Russia's Far East. The biggest uncertainty about the new project, which accounts for some 4% of global LNG production, is the participation of Shell, which owned 27.5% stake in the original entity. Shell has written off its value of the Russian assets and made clear a month ago that it would quit the project. So Sakhalin LNG is looking for new customers as a consequence of that. Gazprom has a 50% plus one share stake in Sakhalin too. Mitsui owns 12.5% and Mitsubishi owns 10%. Mitsui said it's decided to take a stake in the project's new operator. Mitsubishi has also decided to apply for a stake. Inflation is still a major concern of most economies as it pushes higher as a result of the increased demand from the return to industry from Covid-19 and of course Russia's war in Ukraine which has destabilised energy markets worldwide. I expect inflation will hit many small firms during the winter months and many may have to drop out of the market they won't be able to exist. I mean, energy prices have risen for them. Some of them are paying 10 times as much now. The first to be hit will probably be hospitality firms, I would think. But uh, there'll be a lot of other companies who just won't be able to move their prices over to consumers as consumers will already be hit. So it's going to be a pretty bad uh, situation for the next six months, I guess. In the UK, I was reading about one butcher's shop that's had to close And that's because of the cost of running the fridges. If you run five or eight fridges 24 hours a day, when the kilowatt hour price has gone up from 12 pence to 64 pence, that's quite a hike. And businesses just can't deal with costs and cost increases that way. And they're not able easily to pass on those costs to customers. So, anywhere with fixed premises where they've got machines or Devices consuming energy, it's going to cripple them. Apparently as many as 70% of Britain's public houses could close as a result of the increase in energy costs this winter. I was reading about another company that was paying about £500 a month for its energy a year ago, and now it's paying in a region of £1,200. It's just unsustainable. If you think about bakers... And those sort of companies where they have to run ovens round the clock to get the bread products out, then obviously they'll have similar price increases and that'll put the cost of their energy consumption up and they'll have to pass it on in bread products and all the other products that they make. So it's uh, problematic. I mean, what happens when firms start dropping out the market because they can't supply the goods and the consumers can't buy them? I mean, it's a real collapse. The heartbreaking part of this for many business owners, it's been their dream to have their business and to see it grow and to see it succeed. And now it's turned into their worst nightmare. I was also listening to Matthew Taylor, who's the head of NHS England, and he was making some very important points about the ability of the health service in the United Kingdom to cope with increased energy costs, increased labour costs. Shortages of skilled personnel to carry out the duties. And not to overstate the point, these services were not in a good condition prior to the energy crisis, prior to the pandemic. But now they're in a dire position. And the government seems helpless or hapless to do anything about it. They've all been on holiday and they've been fighting some internal contest for the new prime minister which seems completely irrelevant with all these major issues facing the UK economy. It feels like living through a Lewis Carroll novel rather than reality. Now those of you that have been listening to the Genuine Action podcast over the past months will know that I reported on a company called CF Fertilisers in the UK. They had two plants in the Northeast and in Cheshire. And the Cheshire plant has halted production, which means there's a shortage of carbon dioxide. These plants produce carbon dioxide for the food and drink industry. The CO2 is a byproduct which is used in the slaughter of pigs and chickens and various animals, as well as in food packaging, and in, of course, puts the bubbles in fizzy drinks. You'll remember back in September, the... uh, September 2021 that was, the government stepped in to meet the cost of running the plant after it shut down due to high gas prices threatened food supplies. Well, it's worse now because, of course, gas supplies have gone even higher. Nick Allen, who's the chief executive of the British Meat Processors Association, said the government will have to act again. Without sufficient CO2, all the processing of food is problematic. And of course, what about the British beer? A very important item. can't make the beer, so it's a serious issue. Natural gas and carbon prices are the problem c f fertilizers u k ammonia production is uneconomical. it has marginal costs in excess of two thousand pounds per ton, and the market price for ammonia on global markets is about half of that level, so there's a serious issue there. They've halted the uh, ammonia production at Billingham, and I was reading that they plant in Cheshire is likely to close. And CF is the major supplier of CO2 to the food industry, to the packaging industry, in the United Kingdom. And so, yet another supply problem, which is not easily fixed. Now, in the United States, during the past year, you'll have heard me talk about all the difficulties at the various West Coast ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach. And at one time, they had... Traffic, congestion at those ports in excess of 100 ships or more. And to solve the problem, of course, they've built the port in the desert, which I mentioned in last week's News Roundup. But they've also taken action to move some of that traffic away from those West Coast ports and towards the East Coast in New York, Savannah, Houston. And this week I was reading about a backlog of ships at Savannah reaching about 30 in number. I think that was on the 19th of August when that happened. So I don't know what the current position is, but that's what it was then. But this build-up is problematic. And of course, these congested ports, both in the United States and also a Canadian port, are a reason for cancelled sailings in September, for a cut in vessel services, which is likely, and also the cost of moving goods around becoming more expensive and so there are more complications ahead for those east coast ports to deal with and also I've mentioned the strike at Felixstowe in the United Kingdom which is hitting UK ports so all in all the container traffic is starting to back up once again and it's just in time for Christmas in fact I was just looking at about the marine traffic data at the port of Savannah. It's got 39 vessels at anchor, and at Houston there are 22 cargo ships. The port congestion is serious. It puts the cost up for everyone, because the boxes are in the wrong place, and the shipping is in short supply. The ships can't move. So what's this going to mean for Christmas? We're starting to think now, at the end of August, about Christmas traffic. Well, it's going to be difficult to gain this year, I would suggest. Whether it ends up as difficult as it was last year remains to be seen, but it's not looking good presently. In Europe, most of the vessels in Felixstowe, Rotterdam, Antwerp, Bremerhaven and Hamburg are problematic. Liverpool is moderate. It's uh, not as bad as the others, but there has been a strike in Liverpool But Felixstowe's the big one, and that handles 4 million containers coming into the United Kingdom every year. So if there's a congestion there, that's seriously problematic for the United Kingdom. And it's not easy to move things away. The port authorities of Felixstowe simply say, well, we can move things to Rotterdam or we'll move it elsewhere. Well, that just makes the situation worse in those other ports where there's already congestion. So not a great idea. And there's a dispute between the... Owners of the port who've made significant profits this year and the offer that they've made to the workforce which is seriously low by comparison. So there has to be some movement here. I think if I was running Britain's largest port I'd be trying to resolve this one pretty quickly. Now in the United Kingdom this uh, summer we've had lots of very hot weather and then it's been followed by very heavy Rainfall in some cases, in rainfall just in a few hours, which prompted pollution warnings from several of the water companies managing sewage. They said they've been overloaded with the rainwater affecting the sewage, which was released directly into seas around the country. But apparently, some of the reports have been saying that this has been going on for some considerable time. It's not just a result of. The rainfall immediately, but that some of the water companies haven't invested in the necessary infrastructure to deal with the waste properly. David Jarrod is the chief executive of the Shellfish Association of Great Britain, and he said that it might impact shellfish cultivation. And of course, it will put consumers off if they think that the Shellfish are contaminated with raw sewage. That will certainly put them off buying the product. If there's high levels of bacteria in the water because of these discharges, then that will prevent people from buying, but it will also stop fishermen from harvesting because they're not going to harvest shellfish when they can't sell the product. So something needs to be sorted out to get that supply issue back on track. The SAGB, the Shellfish Association of Great Britain, said it's been lobbying for 30 years to stop the dumping of sewage at sea. Remember I talked about Coase and Coase's theorem? It's an economic theorem that states that uh, the polluter should pay the price. But that often isn't the case. It's other organisations and other businesses that pay the price for someone polluting the rivers and the seas. It's often the environment agency that... uh, will pick up the tab, and then it will try to fine the water companies. According to some of the statistics I've seen, about 25% of sewage discharges went unmonitored in the last year. And the different companies report different numbers. So some of them are as high as 49%, and some of them are lower at 29%. And some of them are much lower, of course. But it's still too much. So the regulation is not working very effectively and it needs to. I also came across a story this week about food prices increasing in Australia because of shortages of labour. So it's not just in Britain that we've got shortages of labour affecting food prices, although it's pretty bad, it's in other countries too, and Australia is one, and they're asking for the easing of restrictions on foreign labour so that they can solve their harvesting problems. It does sound a lot like the United Kingdom. And the policies of governments and the reaction from governments is too slow to solve these problems. They don't move fast enough. Another article from Forbes caught my eye this week, which was about additive manufacturing. Now it makes it sound very new, doesn't it? Additive manufacturing. Essentially what it is is Manufacturing on demand. And in some circumstances, this can be a very fruitful way for organizations to meet demand in time. Many years ago, I remember seeing clothing production done on demand at the back of a retail store. Now, if retailers could do this and they could have additive demand management systems in place, they could have little production units at the back of the retail store. Is this a reality? I don't know. Or is this a Lewis Carroll? It may be a bit Alice in Wonderland, I think. I think you can solve some of the problems with additive manufacturing, but you're not going to solve all of them. And I think that's the message that I would offer. Well, that's it for this week. That's the news round. All things happening in the supply chain this week. Join me in the midweek edition and catch up on any episodes you've missed of the Chain Reaction podcast and stay informed. I'll see you next time. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Oh yeah. Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week, we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains, Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon, all things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.